Well, good morning, church. How many of you are glad to be at church this morning? Yes, I feel a little bit of energy this morning. Hey, I want to take a minute and look in the camera. Welcome all of those watching online right now. Thanks for joining us in your environment. You are still part of us, even though you're not in this room this morning. Well, we're jumping into part two of our teaching series in October called Rooted. And last week, I kind of kicked it off for us, and we looked at three different powerful environments that God actually uses for us to get rooted into Jesus. And last week, I kind of let you guys know a little bit about how oftentimes, you know, one of the questions people always ask you is maybe perhaps like, what do you do for a living type thing? And I tell, I, I love telling people, hey, I have a pastor. And, you know, again, they always ask where in Radiant Life. And aren't you guys just that big church trying to get a bunch of people in? No. Well, yes and no. Yes, because we want everyone to get rooted into Jesus Christ. We want everyone to come into an environment like this and be planted and grow up and take their next steps in following Jesus. That is our goal, to be rooted and to grow into something so beautiful that Jesus has designed for you to grow into. That's what we want. You got to know you were created for a purpose and on purpose. Whether your parents didn't plan you, but God knew you were coming. All right? And you have purpose in life. And we deeply desire for you to get rooted and to grow up and look like Jesus. In fact, in the ancient world, Jesus was doing a teaching, and he even had this idea about, hey, one of your main goals is to be like me. This is what he says as our theme verse for this entire series. It's found in Luke chapter 6. And Jesus is telling the crowds this, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is, can we read these two words together, friends? Everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Now, in Jesus' time, people understood this. They understood student and teacher. They, because, why? Because the student was a disciple and the teacher was their rabbi. Our language today, 21st century America, every time we hear student teacher, we're thinking K through 12 building, right? But in Jesus' time, everyone on that plane would understand what Jesus is getting at. In other words, it's a complete transformation of your head, of your mind, and of your heart and your imagination. Everything inside of you. And Jesus is saying, if you are fully trained, you're going to resemble me to the world. And we had this statement last week that I launched in. It's all three powerful environments that we're going to talk about today. There is one goal. And the goal is to, can we read these three words together? The goal is to? Be like Jesus. Is to be like Jesus. Ryan, how do we do that? How do we get rooted so we can be like Jesus, the three powerful environments that I briefly shared about last week. Again, if you missed last week, it was like the foundation for the three environments. You can go to theradiantlife.church, go to the media page, and the message is right there. But we talked about the row, the circle, and the chair, three powerful environments to get rooted to be like Jesus. And this morning, we're going to talk about this one, but last week, we kind of briefly talked about the row, and, and the row is over here, and this is the one environment we all get very uh, good at because this is what millions of people do every Sunday morning across America. As you get into the cars, you drive to a building where, where maybe it's a building like this, maybe it's an old warehouse that they turned into a church building. 
But millions of people get in their cars, go in parking lots, come into a church building, and maybe grab coffee, use the restroom, drop off their kids in their kids' ministry area, and then come in, and whether you're in chairs or a pew or rocks, whatever, you're more likely in a row somewhere. And what happens in the row? We have worship music, and all of a sudden, the guy is the sage on the stage, right? That moment when that guy's up there getting into God's Word, this is the row environment. But oftentimes, people think, let's just come to the row, and job's done. Job's not done. Job just started, that this is just the beginning of our journey for the next week until the next row experience happens. And oftentimes people come into the row and think the goal is information. Just let the sage on the stage say what he needs to say. The goal is not information. The goal is what, friends? It's transformation. And we looked at last week that with the half-brother of Jesus, James, he said there's an issue. From Sunday morning, the row experience, to Monday morning, we deceive ourselves. We forgot what we learned already. Because we just think, checklist, I did the right thing, right? God, you should be happy with me because I, I went to church. Another environment, it's known as the chair. This to me is the most precious environment for my walk with Jesus. I've dedicated my life to the row, what you guys are all sitting in, but this is the most precious to me. This is where you cancel out the noise of the entire world and say, Jesus, fill me right now. This may be morning for you, midday or evening, where you literally give God some of your time and say, God, I need you. For me, this looks like uh, 5.30, 5.45 every single morning. Monday through Sunday, that's just where I'm at right now. For 45 minutes to an hour right here, Holy Spirit, I need you because I have this meeting. This is a tough conversation with someone that I have to have. And Jesus, if I don't have you, I won't look like you. And I need you in this moment. In two weeks, we're going to unpack the chair, what it's going to look like and help you get um, ideas of if you don't have the chair environment in your life, what will it look like to start somewhere? For me, this is the most precious moment every morning before I see my wife and before I see my kids. I say, good morning, Jesus. Let me get some coffee. Then I need a whole lot of you right now. But the goal of the chair is to what, friends? To what? It's to be like Jesus. And then there's a third environment, which is the circle. Something similar maybe to this with couches or chairs. and There's something that the circle can accomplish that the row can never accomplish. There's something powerful about the circle where you and a group of people are just together doing life. Jesus modeled this when he had, he spoke to the crowds like the row, but Jesus modeled this. He had 12 guys, 12 disciples that he did life with. He handpicked 12 out of the masses to say, hey, I'm going to train you in the way of me because eventually you will start the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, but I need you to look like me to the world. And it was the chair environment. And for me, one of my chair environments is this. This is about half of my group. This was taken May of 2019. We are in the warehouse of Taylor Guitars in San Diego, California. 
Every six months to a year, I take a trip with about eight pastors, eight men, and we invest in each other's life. This was a trip that our spouses are not always invited, but this was a trip where our spouses were invited to come on. And this is just a snapshot that I had of some of them. There's my boss, Chris Conrad, and some of the pastors, and there's my hot wife right there. There she is. And some of the things that are going on there, just some of the pastors that I get to hang out with. Would I still be in ministry without them? Probably. But will I be as joy-filled and empowered and excited about ministry without them? Probably not. They pour into me and I pour into them. I so look forward to that trip that every six months or every 12 months that we take together, whether we're in San Diego, California, or up at Wisconsin on a lake, or whether we're in Ludington, Michigan on Lake Michigan, or whether we're in Nashville, Tennessee, or Birmingham, Alabama, I so look forward to my time with these guys because iron sharpens iron. We are better together. And one of the main goals of these trips is we help each other to what, friends? To be like Jesus. And that's one of the circle environments that I'm in. I wish I could meet with them more. In fact, I'm meeting with a group of them on Thursday in Grand Rapids. I'm traveling to Grand Rapids because we're going to try to see what a network looks like and how can we have more impact. In fact, someone's coming tomorrow to meet me here at 1 o'clock because we're going to drive over to Coldwater and i got to figure out, is that a possible Radiant Life campus in Coldwater or not? Because he deeply desires for us and believes my group of friends, my circle believes in the mission of what you guys are doing here at Radiant Life and say, I want to invest. So Ryan, I'm going to go with you. Let's go to Coldwater. 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 That cardinal territory over there. Let's go there and let's pray over the entire area. And if God's going to open a door, we want to be a part of what you guys are doing at Radiant Life. Oh, we are better together. And that's just one powerful, powerful environment God uses to help us to become rooted, to live like Jesus, to become more like Him. In fact, if you don't believe it from me, I'm going to ask Pastor Brandon and Sarah to come up on stage. Pastor Brandon actually is our community, Pat, one of our community pastors. He kind of helps with this idea of the circle environment. Sarah is one of our lead, um, actually a, a coach for what we would consider the, our circles here at Radiant Life are considered life groups, but you can be in a circle anywhere. Your circle could be three buddies of you that work at your job that are followers of Jesus, and once a week you guys meet together for lunch. That can be your circle. Your circle could be that group of people that you go running with, but you're intimately, uh, you know each other, and every Saturday you run together. That could be your circle. But here at Radiant Life, Sarah actually leads part of our life groups that represent the circle here at Radiant Life. And we're going to hear some of her testimony as she knows what it's like to not only be in one, but to lead one. Yeah. So you're saying you can incorporate running with a life group? Oh, okay. That was supposed to be a joke. Just as the guy who obviously doesn't go running, 
Uh, I am thankful for Sarah. Uh, she is passionate about life group. She's passionate about discipleship, and she models it, and she lives it in her own life. So, Sarah, uh, how have you seen life groups be modeled in your life? I uh, grew up in church, and so we not only sat in a row as a family, but um, I watched my parents serve in our church, and they also hosted life groups in our home. Um, so I got to have, meet a lot of people, uh, play with the kids, you know, in the basement while our parents went upstairs. And um, it was just really neat to be able to get to know other kids that way. And then we'd have like some of the families come over just individually for dinners, um, things like that. And so it was, it was really impactful to watch, um, watch my parents do that. So growing up, there was always people come into the house sort of thing. Yeah. I want you guys to catch that, right? Like if you're a parent, are you modeling life groups to your kids? Because like our kids need to see life groups modeled for them. And she saw that. And I know that you, you guys model that at your house. But I just want you guys to, to catch that. She saw that in her childhood growing up. Like super impactful. Uh, so I, I know I asked you this last service. But like was there ever like a favorite meal for like the life group night uh, sort of thing. So the guy who doesn't run wants to ask a food question. Did you catch that? <laughs> I thought we didn't judge people here at Radiant Life. <laughs> we have a staff saying, we judge because we care. <laughs> there it comes. <laughs> you must care a lot. All right. Um, <laughs> Always got Did that back. break the tension? <laughs> okay. Really so Thank was you. there a favorite meal? Um, not really, but I remember there was one guy who came over um, that was in the life group and, and came over for dinner and stuff, and we were having chili, and um, he doesn't eat cornbread with his chili like normal people do. He actually <laughs> ate it with chocolate cake, chocolate frosting and all. Um, with his chili, and that just always stuck with me. I like, feel like we should stop and pray for that guy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Very that's gross. messed up, but yeah, uh, that, that is funny uh, that you, you have that memory. So a little bit more serious question, like how have life groups impacted you? Yeah, in a lot of ways. Um, the first thing that always comes to mind is I met my husband in a life group. Um, and I've made a lot of really incredible friendships in life groups, um, people I probably wouldn't have otherwise met. Mm. And... It, just to be able to um, meet these ladies and get to know them, and it, it's just really been um, a nice way to make friends. Um, and also, I have um, grown in my relationship with God. You mm. know, I've been given some tools and resources and things in life groups that I might not have found otherwise. Um, Can you just unpack that real quick? Like, what, like, what do you mean that you grew more in your relationship in the circle? So... Um, just being encouraged um, to stay in the word, accountability mm. um, was really, it's really important to have a group of people you're accountable to, um, that you're studying with, and you're learning the same things, and you're going together. Um, I, I learned to pray in a life group. Um, I learned, you know, um, how impactful it can be just to interact with other people. So in life groups, um, have you ever found it to... Like maybe you can back up a little bit, uh, a little bit in your walk. Like, was it difficult to go to a life group? 
Like, was it kind of scary to go to a life group? Or because you grew up with it being model, maybe it's always been easy, but... No. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) Um, Especially, I mean, we've been here at this church for four years now, and coming here, um, it was difficult to try to get involved. It was difficult to, um, like, you want to make friends, you want to get to know people, and it's really hard to do just on a Sunday morning sometimes um, to develop those friendships you really want. Um, And so it's just... It takes a little bit of a step to join one, and but it's always worth it. What, what do you think, um, ne- maybe not necessarily for you, but because you have a lot of experience with life groups, what, what do you think is scary to some people uh, about going to a life group? Talking in front of other people. <laughs> <laughs> um, sharing things that you know, are on your heart that you're worried how it might be taken or seen. Um, so a level of like transparency? Yeah, definitely a level of transparency, openness, just sharing hard stuff that's going on in our marriages and with our kids and work and things like that. So just, just being to, raw with people is, is challenging. Yeah, yeah. Being really so raw. with that being said, like being transparent, because sometimes that does happen in life groups where barriers are, are broken down and people begin to, to be more open and transparent, to be raw. Um, how, like, how have you seen that play out in, in life groups, and what, like, what were some of the challenges with that? It's, it's a really beautiful thing when someone opens up and shares their heart, shares their struggles and their challenges, because we all go through stuff, right? Um, none of us are untouched by this life in one way or another, but um, to be able to watch the other members of a group minister and encourage mm. um, the one who is hurting um, is just... Uh, so life-breathing. I don't really know how else to say it. It's just really beautiful to watch um, group members be able to minister to each other, and not even as a leader, yeah. but other group members um, be able to speak into their life and share something that, you know, they've been through the same thing. Or So did you guys catch that? Like, people will be transparent in a life group, and maybe you're sitting there like, uh, like, no one else is going through this thing that I'm going through, this struggle that I have or whatever, but there's other people that are in the group, um, and, and uh, time and experience has definitely shown that in groups that you've led, that I've led, where someone else in the group ends up ministering to that other person because they've gone through that thing in that life group. I, I hope that you, you catch that. So if you're on the fence, like, I'm never going to go to a life group because I'm dealing with this issue you're not the only person who's gone through that issue. Yeah. And, and there's other people that are part of that group, and, and you've seen definitely. that play out. Yeah, That's what's powerful about this environment, because that, that level of transparency and rawness and realness can never happen in the row. Or it may briefly in the lobby as you guys are interacting with each other, but it will never happen in this setting. That's why we need this setting to be real, to literally drop our mask and say, hey, my marriage is struggling right now, and I need you guys to lift me up in prayer. Or my child is off the deep end right now, and I'm scared for them. Can you please lift up my child in prayer? Let's go to the Lord right now. And it happens more in this environment than it does the row. I'm not sure that you have an example or anything right off the top of your head, but like, have you, have you been in a situation or have you worked with other people where, you know, 
people were transparent, it got messy, it was raw or whatever, but maybe it, maybe it kind of derailed from what the schedule or the thing, the topic that we're going to talk about. Uh, have you experienced that? If so, like, how have you seen God work in that? I mean, you, you kind of hinted to it a little bit there, but can maybe unpack that just a little bit more? Yeah, so, um, I mean, like I, like I said, you know, we all have all been wounded or in one way or another, either through our own actions or the actions of someone else or just disappointments in life, you know, when we have expectations of things. And then we come to the life group and um, we're just hurting. And, you know, something, something gets mentioned that, that draws that emotion out that you're just really struggling with or challenge you're facing. And um, to be able to just see people minister to um, someone who's hurting. Um, it's, it does get messy because you have to be real. You have to be mm. raw. You have to, like you said, take that mask down and, and kind of show your real self and we're not, we don't have it together. We don't always have things put together and um, God will use the other members in the group to just lift each other up and encourage each other. And our culture is in desperation of real, authentic Christianity. What they're tired of is hypocritical Christians. Of wearing the mask, pretending like everything's good. When you're walking through hell, everything is not good. Can we stop pretending like it is? And drop the mask and say, I, I need this. I need other people right now. Because I want to look more like Jesus. I want to respond like Jesus. But I am walking through deep waters right now. I need help. And that's what this world is craving, is authentic Christianity. We're not perfect. Our kids may run a little wild every once in a while, but we're not perfect. But we need Jesus every day, and we need to get rooted and lift and encourage one another up. Absolutely. Uh, one last question, Sarah. Like, so we're talking about the messiness and awkwardness. Like, It's almost like, well, gee whiz, I don't even want to be part of a life group sort of thing, but can you just speak, like, how have life groups impacted you in spite of maybe this negativeness, like the, the hardness, the rawness, the messiness, whatever word picture you want to use there, but, like, how have life groups impacted you? Like, why are you willing to, to sit on a stage and, and talk about this? Like, how has God just, like, just gone into your life and just, mm, Mm. You have to interpret that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I am. I am passionate about life groups and, and leading them because in, a, a, the, in the seat of the leader, you get to see something that is so incredibly beautiful and it's such a gift. Uh, you get to see people ministering and encouraging and loving other people. Um, you get to watch them grow in their relationship with God. You get to watch them just um, get close to Jesus and really understand his love for, for them. And it's, I mean, there's nothing like it, you know, to, to see someone growing in the Lord and um, getting closer to the him and then being able to witness to others and what he's done in their life. That's awesome. awesome. Kate, Radiant Lifers, can we just thank Sarah for coming up here and sharing? Thanks, guys. 
Hey, if you're a note taker, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you four convictions of the circle environment. So if you're ready, give me a hmm. All right, here we go. Half of you, here we go. Rooted. Four convictions. Imagine this Sunday being part one of the circle. Next Sunday's part two, which next Sunday is going to get really fun. All right. But here's the conviction. Number one of the circle. We are not supposed to travel alone. You were never designed to journey life alone. In fact, a thousand years before the time of Jesus, a king by the name of King Solomon was on Israel's throne. One of the worst kings in the Israel nation, or history of Israel because under his reign, Israel would divide into a northern kingdom and southern kingdom. But one thing that was special about King Solomon is he was known as a very wise king, although women led him astray multiple times. But he was known as wise. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He wrote the book of Proverbs and the book of Song of Songs. And this is what he says in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It says, two are better than what, friends? One, because they have a good return for their labor. And then he's going to give us three traveling scenarios of how two are better than one. Here's the first one. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. So traveling scenario number one, you may get tripped up and you may be out in the wilderness and you trip over a rock and you've got a bummed ankle now and there are lions out there that will devour you. But at least you have another person there if you do trip over that rock and get a bummed ankle. They're there to pick you up and help you. That's travel scenario number one. You may get tripped up out there. Travel scenario number two. Also, if how many? What's the word? If two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? What in the world is Solomon talking about here? Spooning. (laughs) That's not my words. They did not have Doppler radar in the ancient world. They had no idea in the next six hours the temperature was going to drop 40 degrees. And you can be left out in the cold suffering from hypothermia now. And Solomon says, hey, if you are going to journey, make sure you have someone there with you. Because what they did is get close and let our body heats warm one another up. Travel scenario number three. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strand is not quickly broken. Why would he say this? Because you have to remember who Solomon's dad was, King David. David, the shepherd boy, shepherd boy who took down Goliath. He was a shepherd. You're out in the wilderness, and what's in the wilderness? Craves, caves and crevices. Who hides in, cra- in caves and crevices? Thieves. You one day may be mugged out there. And you have a better chance of surviving that mugging if you had another person with you. You were never meant to travel alone. So my question for you this morning, friends, is are you traveling life alone? You never know when you may get tripped up in life, when you're caught out in the cold or get mugged. You never know when that may happen. Are you traveling life alone? Because I think for a lot of us, we are, if we're honest. We, we, we may look like this, that you are carrying a ton of weight alone right now, that you were never meant to carry in the first place. 
This is why we need each other, so we can have weight distribution. So we can be in an environment like this to say, hey, can you please help me because I can't do it. I am, my spirit is crumbling right now what I'm going through. Let me give you a personal example. Four years ago, we were introduced to a little girl at nine days old. Here's a picture of her. She's the one in the middle. Her name's Lily. It's my hot wife on the right and my oldest daughter on the left. Nine days old. Tragic accident with her mom. That left her in the hospital and eventually legs taken away. Nine days old, she's given into our house, and we had no idea it would be two and a half years later before she was ever reunited with mom. We did not plan for that. Here's how crazy, and I've never told many of you this. I always said we were good with three kids. But I always said I knew a tragic accident would happen in order for us to get a fourth child. I just, I had that deep feeling. Did you know exactly nine months before Lily came into our life, my wife was praying that I would have a change of heart of receiving another child. So about the time Lily's mom gets pregnant with her, my wife is praying for me, unbeknownst to me, that God would prepare my heart for something. That was a hard time. When your kids are getting older and you, a nine day old, what? I, it's just back to like square one again, right? You're like, oh man, they were just getting older and out of the diaper stage and all, all that. But my wife and I at the time when we received her four years ago, we were in a circle environment. We were in a life group that met behind us in the green room for an entire year together. And they showered us with gifts. Many of you showered us as well at our home. We could have not done that two and a half years without the help of our circle and without the help of many of you. Every once in a while, you may see her with us if you're wondering where does this one child all of a sudden come from in our arms and then you don't see her again for months because every once in a while we do still have a relationship with Lily and get to see Lily. But for two and a half years, that little girl was in our home from nine days old to two and a half. Unexpected. We couldn't carry it alone. Let me ask you a question. Are you traveling alone? Because you're not meant to. Now, I know there's resistance sometimes. You resist this environment. You know why? Because there are people involved. You may resist this environment because you sit back and say, Ryan, I'm a proponent of the circle. I get it. I get being in a group. But listen, my life is great. I I'm nailing it, walking with Jesus. My marriage is thriving. Our finances are great. Like, I, I harbor no bitterness against anyone that hurts me. I'm great. I see why other people need it, but not me. Can I say two things to those that may resist this environment? Number one, you have incredible strength. What would it look like to come into an environment where your strength rubs off on someone? Because ultimately what they know and need is they need to what, friends? 
and you're the strength to get them there. Be a leader. I think the most tragic thing to our faith in Christianity is selfishness. We come into an environment and say, what will I get out of it instead of how can I impact another person? And this will change your perspective. If you have incredible strength and praise God, we need you to be environments like this and rub off on other people. And let me ask and encourage you with the second thing. If you resist this environment, life is good now, but what does tomorrow bring? What does months from now bring? What about five years from now when your marriage looks really good right now, but your spouse, your spouse decides to walk out on you in five years from now? We need to invest in relationships now and not wait till life gets horrible. Build relationships before we need others and others need us. Because oftentimes what we'll do, we'll build it when all hell breaks loose in our life. Because now we're like, I need you, I need you, I need you now. Invest in it. We were not supposed to travel alone, which leads me to the second conviction is this. The purpose is discipleship. The purpose is what? Now, I have to explain this word because it's a little churchy word, and I understand it. It's this idea of this. The purpose is to learn the Jesus way, to respond like Jesus does. It's the purpose of the circle. I, I love, again, back to our core verse. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. We must mature, and this is an environment to help one another mature, to get there, to become. What's the goal? To be to like Jesus. This is a wonderful environment to be in when all life goes crazy, when you hit your miscarriage for the very first time. And you can sit back and say, yeah, they were with us and it was awesome. Or when your finances were spiraling out of control and they say, you know what, when I hit unemployment, that group was there through it all. And those are wonderful things. But the deeper question is, what does it look like to follow Jesus when you do hit that miscarriage, they weren't with you. They weren't just with you, but they helped you respond like Jesus. They helped you to respond and say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you even though I am so angry at you right now because I don't understand this loss that we were getting excited about to bring into this world. What does it look like to follow Jesus when the unemployment does hit? And this group wasn't just with you and walking through you. They helped you respond like Jesus. Or when your marriage is struggling and you don't want to talk to one another, what does it look like to follow Jesus and respond like him? And this group helps you to say, hey, I know you can't stand each other, but faithfulness to God will be faithfulness to one another. And you got to dig there. Because the entire goal of the circle is one more time. And I lost my mic. All right. Is my earpiece in? My earpiece is missing. Where is it? That's why I got you guys in the front row. Thank you. There we go. All right. All right, one more time. I, I was too busy trying to find my mic. I didn't hear you. Well, the goal is to what? To? Be like Jesus, which leads to the third conviction. And I'm almost done. Don't worry. Number three, you're the church. You are the church. No, Ryan, I thought we hire pastors to do all the church work. <clears throat> well, 
half. Remember, the goal of the pastor is to equip the people, the saints, to do the work of the ministry. You got to remember that. It's to equip you. It's to learn the Jesus way so you can go be Jesus out in the world. And here's what Jesus says, a new command I give you. Now, when Jesus says this, it's not a new command. What, what, what it means is Jesus is already, ele- he's taking a command that's here and he's elevating it now. And here's what he says. Can we read these three words together? Are you ready? Love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. It's very difficult to one another in the row. It's very difficult to one another in the chair. But how do you and I one another? In the circle. In the circle. Ryan, your teachings are shallow. There's no meat to them. Okay, love one another. That is all the meat you need for one day. What does it look like to love the other political party? What does it look like to love your neighbor that you can't stand? What does it look like to love your spouse when you don't want to love them? What does it look like? In fact, Paul's writing to the church. He's writing to the church, not the pastor. And uh, this is what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, can we read these three words together? Encourage one another. And can we read these four words together? Build each other up. Just in fact, you are doing. He's encouraging the church. Encourage one another. Build each other up. Encourage one another. Build each other up. How do you do it? In an environment like the circle. It's very difficult to one another in a row, very difficult to one another in the chair, but you can do it here. Now time out. Ryan, I've been in the circle before. I can't stand it. Because have you ever been in that group, Ryan, where that person just wah, 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 and all they do is talk and I can't even say anything. Ryan, I've been in the group where people have lied flat out the entire time. They, 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 they wore the mask. They, they just came to group, said the right things, but they lived a complete different lifestyle than what they were promoting in the group. I, I can't stand the fakeness and realness. And you know what? I'm just done with people in the group. I get hurt too many times. Ryan, don't you know people are annoying? Which leads me to the fourth conviction. People are annoying. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, but you're not one of them. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you may be one of them. (laughs) We know people we deeply love can be very annoying. Even people that we don't love can be annoying. In fact, as the worship team makes their way up, listen to two gentlemen who are far smarter than I am. Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor and theologian during Nazi Germany. In fact, lost his life because the Nazis executed him. Here's what he says about this idea of living in community with other people, the circle. Just as surely as God desires to lead us to a knowledge of genuine Christian fellowship, so surely must we be overwhelmed by a great disillusionment with others, with Christians in general, and if we are fortunate with ourselves. The sooner the shock of disillusionment comes to an individual and to a community, the better for both. What is he saying? As soon as you realize the circle is not perfect and we're dealing with messy, broken people, you have to get the picture out of your head that you won't be hurt and it won't look ugly at times. 
The sooner the idea of this disillusionment that this is going to be the most beautiful thing ever and everything's going to go perfect, you might as well get it out of your mind right now. The sooner better for you and the better for your group. Which leads me to the next smart guy, C.S. Lewis, the writer of Chronicles of Narnia. And this is what he says about living into this powerful environment of a circle. There is no safe investment. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. There are times when you and I are in the circle. There are beautiful moments in the circle. Don't get me wrong. There are tough moments in the circle as well. But the goal of the circle is for you and possibly as you rub off on others to help people be like Jesus. Don't run away from the circle. Peopling is difficult. That's why I have to take two Sundays to unpack peopling because it's hard. They're messy. But Jesus, but God looked down at the mess of humanity and says, I'm stepping in. And if we are to live like him, we must do the same. Don't run away. Stick with it. Again, the circle can look like any, any, any group you have at your house. Maybe it's a group that's, again, you're out and you bicycle with them. Maybe it's a group that you meet at work because you're followers of Jesus together and you do lunch once a week. Or maybe it is a life group here. But I want to throw this at you, and I want you, if you're interested at all, if you think you're a potential leader of a circle, or maybe you're currently in a circle and you just want more leadership tools in your hand, we are going to have the circle leadership training coming up that Pastor Brandon and I will lead. It is Tuesday, November 10th, and Wednesday, November 11th, from 6 to 8 p.m. 6 to 8. So it's a two-day, four-hour intensive of leadership training. Now, if you go to this, you sit and go, oh man, if I go, now they're going to hound me to lead a life group at Radiant Life, and I don't know if I want to. No, we're not selling you to this. We want to equip you wherever God has you. And maybe it is here at Radiant Life, and we're fine, and we're excited if it is, and we're excited if it isn't, and it's in your workplace, but we need the circle. So right now, if you're interested, and you're going to see this for the next several weeks to get signed up, you can go to theradiantlife.church right now on your phone or tablet, and right there on the homepage underneath Save Your Seat is this just to register, because we're going to have some fun. I'm going to tell you what, I think the circle should have a lot of fun to it. And so we're going to have fun, but it's the circle. And here's what I'm going to close. I'm going to ask you a question. I think a lot of us need more of this than we realize. So the question is, will I let someone know the real me? Ryan, why would I ever let someone know the real me? To be like Jesus. Because you never know. Other people need you. And you never know when you're going to need them. So let me pray for us. Father, will you help us to live like you more and more? 
I know sometimes getting into a circle and getting into a group of people, oh, can be so difficult. But God, you have called us to love one another, encourage one another, build one another up. That means we have to get involved in people's lives. May we completely be rooted in you, Jesus. May we take these three powerful environments seriously to ultimately help us to be like you, Jesus. We want to be like you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us right where we're at. Thank you when we feel dry, you breathe life into our dry bones. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, hey, church, will you stand? And we're going to close with one last song, and then we'll get you out of here. One last song. We introduced this song last week called Rattle. And I'm just going to ask you if you feel dry, if you feel empty inside, ask Holy Spirit to fill you. He's ready to overflow your heart and your mind with who he is. He's ready to fill you with his presence. So let us worship and let us shake the gates of hell and remind the enemy, not today, our God has authority and power over you. So let's worship.